right, welcome back to the big program, Sports 1440. It's Kevin Curious, Loria and Munzer on a glorious Monday morning. Oilers in action tonight against the New York Islanders for a 6.30 puck drop. One day after a coaching change. <laughs> Time now for Are You In or Are You Out? From the brainchild of the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas, stayed up all night slapping these together. Five ins, fives, outs. All right, Duke, let us have it. Alrighty, so with the topic of the Oilers, coaching change still fresh on everybody's mind and plenty of uh, questions, concerns, and comments still rolling into our inbox. Uh, feel free to pipe in on your opinions here on what we're going to discuss. So first one for you guys, the Oilers should have relieved the entire coaching staff of their duties, including Glenn Gullitson and Dustin Schwartz. Are I, you in or are you out? And what about Stewart? As well. Yes, okay. yes. And Mark Stewart. Okay, yeah. Uh, I am out. I am out just because at this point of the game, this point of the season, it's almost impossible to have a whoa, totally wipe out a coaching staff. I understand that every coach has his right-hand man. I don't think there was a possibility, opportunity for that to happen at this point of the season. So I believe that the Oilers should not have relieved the Oilers coaching staff of their duties. I am out. I'm out as well. I think where a bit of a change needs to be is that whoever is in charge of making the decision should be just one person and not multiple people. Okay. One more with uh, the head coaching situation, at least the Oilers head coaching situation. Um, the Oilers new head coach should have been somebody with a hard-nosed reputation and previous NHL head coaching experience. Are you in or are you out? Oh, Duke, this was the hardest one out of the whole bunch. This is the hardest in or out one that you've really come up in the last, uh, well, I guess this is our third episode. I'm really torn between this one because of where the team is, what direction it is. However, I'm going to say I am out. I'm okay with zero experience coming in only because of the direction the team needs right now. I don't believe it's someone coming in, fire and brimstone. I think those days are kind of over in the NHL. I'm, and I mean... Again, the opportunities for the the guys that were out there, whether it be a Gerard Gallant, whether it be a Claude Julian, uh, I mean, Joel Quinville's name bounced out there lots of times. I think it's just time to give someone else a shot. Let's just see what Chris Knobloch can do. Lorianne Munzer, are you in or are you out? I don't think you have to have that experience. Okay. So I'm going to be out. And the reason for that is it's the leadership and the direction that you bring your decisiveness and there you go. being clear on what you're doing. Okay. Already shifting over to the world of football. Another great slate in week 10 on Sunday yesterday, including a thrilling win for the Houston Texans over the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, rookie quarterback CJ Stroud been turning heads all season long. So my uh, statement to you guys, CJ Stroud has vaulted himself into the top three in consideration for the MVP award. He currently is going off at plus 3,500, which ranks for 11th in the current uh, possible odds. Uh, But I think he's into the top three candidacy. Are you in or are you out? Monster, do you want to go first on this one? Go ahead. I'm going to say I'm going in. 
I'm going Ooh, in. Ooh, the he, monster's in. He's got one heck of a great story. He's got an interesting mindset that he's bringing into it. And, you know, he knows the pocket well and he can read the plays. I think he's a great contender. I am out again, Duke. Three for three, I am out. I see where you're trying to go here. I see what you're trying to do, Duke. Bring in your favorite team, your favorite quarterback. C.J. Stroud has been good. But if you would have said top seven, top seven, I might have bid on that one. But I'm not going top three, Duke. Name me the six people that you would put ahead of him currently. Oh, come on. That's not even on the sheet here. I, I gave this to you plenty of times. Who, so who are the – if you don't put him in the top three, who – uh, are at least four names then that you would put ahead of him you know, right now. I'll be honest. Listen, I'm so immersed in Oilers for the last 24 hours. I haven't really that's, a lot. That's, I'm okay. putting you on the spot here. Let me yeah. read off the, the okay. current top four MVP candidates according to the odds. Odds makers? Odds okay. if you were to place a future bet today. Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, and Tua Tungabailoa. Okay, I'm going Mahomes ahead of him for sure. You are too? No. Why? I think Patrick Mahomes has current like the fact that the Chiefs are still winning based on his cast is fine, but he has been far from spectacular. The Chiefs lost to the Broncos. Their defense has been the real story this season. Okay. Lamar Jackson, I'll buy in on that. I think he's probably a front runner. And Jalen Hurts, as long as the Eagles keep winning, he's always going to be in the mix because he's the uh the quarterback for the best team in the league. So you think that? Well, okay, I'm 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 still out. I'm out. I'm three for three on the outs, Duke. All Lamar right. Jackson. What about Lamar Jackson? That's what I just said. Okay, Lamar I, Jackson. Well, and Jalen Hurts. He's he's not in the convo. Those those are the two names I just said. Okay, and but Patrick Mahomes isn't. I I don't think he's a top five candidate right now. Okay. All right. Sticking with football, but mixing in some of our coaching talk today. We talked about it earlier. Jimbo Fisher being let go by Texas A&M this weekend, still owed $75 million on his contract. And Jay Woodcroft will continue to collect his paychecks as well, albeit much smaller ones. So my uh, statement towards you guys, when coaches get fired, they should not continue to receive the compensation they were getting when they were employed. I'll let you go first if you want, Munzee. Sure. Um yeah, I don't think they should get paid, okay. but they've obviously got great, great contracts. So You're saying out. I'm saying in. I say the coaches should get paid. You signed the contract. You gave the contract. The coach should get paid. Jay Woodcroft's going to make another $2 million next year. He'll make, uh, he's got about 1.5 left this year. So that's probably three and a, a little more than 1.5. Two million a year. That's what he has for the remainder of this year and next year. Jumbo Fisher, that's the one you're talking about, Jimbo Fisher. Uh, $75 million, I think that could, I mean, he could probably give a little bit to charity or something, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. My point here being, yes, you sign a contract, but it's not like you're being laid off. You are being dismissed for performance reasons, almost always. There are exceptions, but that is usually the case. Most jobs, when you get fired for performance <laughs> reasons... You do like being laid off, totally different situation. Okay. You can continue to collect your severance. I, I like when you're making that much money and you're fired for doing your job badly, why are you still collecting the same amount of money? So then when you get cut as a player, you shouldn't get any money either? Well, it's the same thing. Like, why is it two different strokes? Because, like, there's no, how many contracts in the NFL are guaranteed? Very, very few. So we're we're just mostly on NFL, though? Or like you're saying with Jay, or what are you with Jimbo? 
Well, but like if Jack Campbell gets sent to the mm-hmm. AHL, he still makes he's his still money. getting paid the same amount, but he's still working. Well, I'm sure Woody will appear as a uh, an advisor somewhere <laughs> right now, but not getting any money, just like every coach does down the road. Alrighty, we'll uh, we'll round it out with the steering away from the world of sports. Of course, this past weekend I was back down to Delburn for some <laughs> senior outlaws hockey action. I take the QE two double lane split highway. So what I want to know when you move out into the left lane to pass somebody on a dual lane highway, leaving cruise control set at the same speed. <laughs> are you in or are you out on that decision? Well, I'm out for sure. I think we might agree totally on this out. one. So I leave the cruise control on, but then just hammer down the gas. When you move out, when you move out and hammer down the gas and then just lay off the gas when you move into the right lane. And set your cruise control back wherever you It should automatically set to it, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to reset it. If you hammer the gas down and take your foot off the gas, it goes back to where you were. Yes, yes. So, but basically, my my what I I, you know what I'm getting at here to for clarification being that you just if I have my crew set at 118, I shift out left, continue at 118, making the pass right back into the right lane, never change speeds. I'm saying I am out with that. La totally out, (laughs) totally out. Well, I'm glad we're all in agreement on that one then, because my goodness, that highway makes me. Very frustrated. Uh, I'm never in a hurry. I like, but if you are moving out to pass somebody and your cruise is set at 105, everybody is driving faster than you. Speed up to make your pass. If there's a, a semi or a large vehicle that's maybe going substantially slower, make your pass at a higher speed, and then go back to your slower speed once you're out of everyone's way. And so, I think Laddie Schmid would definitely <laughs> agree with me on this one. I was just going to say. So what? How many times did this happen to you? Any given trip on the, you know, from by the time I get out of South Edmonton to the Red Deer turnoff exit that I take, it's about an hour and a half or so, maybe a little less. It happens at least a handful of times every time. Unless I'm coming back in the dead of night where there's not really anybody out there, but usually I'm leaving after I'm done here for the day. So it's Mm -hmm. coming up on rush hour time. It's busy. Do you put your cruise control on when you're, let's say, on the Hende? Oh, yeah. Yep. See, to me, that's a little dangerous. On the Hende? Yes. Why? Well, for one, at this time, in, in the winter time on the Hende, that road sucks. Yes. The composition of the road, the material that they used on the Hende at certain areas, and when you're on it's cruise awful. control, obviously your tires are spinning at whatever rate, and you hit something, you're done. That's my number one on at this time of the year going into the winter. Well, I think in, in the winter time... <laughs> Cruise control could not uh, be a very safe option. Fair, because you never know. But the Hende Road is way worse than highways. Like the comp, like there's certain areas on the White Mud where the composition of of the pavement that they've used, it, it's, it's awful. A, it changes. It's awful, but it's really good in some areas yep. because they've used more of a rubber compound. That was the California company, I think. That yeah, did that. it probably will. I used to be a highway guy, Lorian, so I know my stuff. It was foreman of the back crew of the San Seal crew. Potts' construction, yep. 1985. Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got for you guys. That's it? So that's it. Did, is that how you thought it would go, Duke? Did you think you thought I was going to go with C.J. Stroud? No, I I know you're a hater because you uh, have made some poor decisions drafting in your own fantasy yes, leagues, right. and as a result, you hold resentment towards C.J. Stroud, who is absolutely putting a but he's not even. On. So you're saying he's not in the top 10 right now? Who? C.J. Stroud's not in the top 10. He's at 11? 
No, I'm saying he is a top three MVP. I candidate. know, but I just I just looked at the betting odds right now. No, the yeah, he is currently ranked 11th at plus okay. 3500. So, but you think he should be top three? At least top five. Like I know I'm biased pushing him to top three, but top five for sure. And it's always going to be a quarterback. Yeah. Nine times out of... I, at the start of the season, I did it again this year, I always sprinkle a few other players. Like, I, I sprinkle some future action on Justin Jefferson. Of course, the injury, pretty much all but eliminating him. And then Christian McCaffrey as well went off at some very steep odds. And he, at one point, I could have cashed my bet out for, mm-hmm. like, uh, for my original value, which is pretty rare, which just goes to show how good of a start McCaffrey had had. Of course, the Niners tailing off here in uh, the three weeks prior to their bye, getting the big win again yesterday. Although... McCaffrey did not score a touchdown for the first time in 17 games. Um, so he's probably out of the running now, too. It yeah. will 100% be a quarterback again. Your buddy Wally comes in on the text line, one 401 If an employer is stupid enough to sign a long-term big-dollar contract, they deserve to pay the full contract. Never use cruise control in the winter. Comes from Jana, our friend Jana. See? If you want to get paid for getting fired, put it in. If you don't want to get paid for getting fired, put it in the contract. I don't know. I think it's okay to get paid when you're not working for the company anymore. Oh. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that was the be best some- one, Duke. That was the best one today. Duke's fired up. He is. When we come back, we will check in with Arthur Staple from The Athletic, covers the Islanders, Rangers. That's coming up. Carius Munzer on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Oilers taking on the New York Islanders tonight at Rogers Place for a 6.30 puck drop, and the Oilers will try to elevate their game, and that's where we go with this. Uh, Elevate Your Game brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Unlock the potential of your residence with a home elevator or lift. You can learn more at TrustRam.com as we welcome in Arthur Staple from The Athletic. Uh, Arthur, you're with Kevin Carius. Lorianne Munzer, welcome back to Sports 1440. Good to be back. Thanks. Sorry, Arthur, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can. Sorry. Yeah, about sorry. That. That's my fault. I, I think I just had a, a wrong button punched up here. So, as I said, Arthur, I think I uh, I saw you in the press box during the Rangers game here. That's correct? Yep. So, I'm now. I was there for that one. Yeah. So, are you here with the Islanders again, or where are you at right now? No, no, still back in New York, okay. but uh, keeping tabs on the Islanders from afar. Perfect, perfect. So, uh, when the Rangers were here, you saw the Oilers firsthand. Did you ever in your wildest dreams that you would see what happened yesterday with a coaching change and uh, a guy coming up from the Rangers farm team in Chris Knobloch? The first part, uh, I think, uh, not totally a surprise with, with Jay Woodcroft being let go. It, obviously, it's a team that's got too many expectations and too much talent to be where they are and um you certainly been around the been around the game long enough to know that that that's when changes are made you know i think the surprising part is dipping into another team's farm system for a first time nhl head coach mm-hmm. chris knobloch who's done a good job in hartford uh with the rangers you know he, he went he was part of the the coaching search uh, that chris drury undertook last summer when they got rid of gerard gallant and ended up bringing in Peter Laviolette. So, you know, that part I think is a little bit interesting where um, a coach is, uh, you know, in charge of their prospects and their minor league uh, for, the, for a few years and the GM decides to go in a different direction for the big club, but and then also willing to let him go in the middle of the season to go to another NHL team. So, you know, I, I imagine uh, the Oilers were pretty persuasive and the Rangers mm-hmm. maybe 
for Chris Knobloch, since he wasn't uh, one of the top candidates for the job that Peter Laviolette got, maybe it was time for a change for him as well. Arthur Staple from The Athletic with us on Sports 1440. So when you say that, that he wasn't a top candidate for the job that uh, Laviolette got, what kind of coach can you tell our listeners that Chris Knobloch is and what kind of job did he do, I guess, in, I guess, nurturing and fostering some of the talent that's come up through the ranks in Hartford that's now on the Rangers? You know, the Rangers are one of those teams that, uh, you know, for a, for a few years had a lot of young talent. Uh, some of it came through Hartford. Some of it, obviously, you know, when you get first and second overall picks like they had a few years ago, they go straight to the big club and, and you're not able to kind of develop them. But Knobloch, you know, during the, during the COVID times, uh, I think David Quinn and Gerard Gallant both uh, missed a stretch during, uh, you know, with bouts of COVID and he came up. And it was a pretty seamless transition when he was coaching the Rangers. Um, you know, he, he's definitely got a, a very even keel temperament. Um, I think he's a guy who certainly, in his uh, eerie days, knew how to handle big talent. Obviously, with Connor McDavid and some other guys that that he had on that uh, on that star-studded roster. Um, and I think with Hartford, it's you know, it's not the easiest job to get noticed where you've got a lot of veteran AHL guys uh, you know Mm -hmm. it's not a club that's laden with prospects that need nurturing but I think you just look at a a couple of guys who have made their way onto the Rangers roster out of the AHL Braden Schneider who was with Knobloch for half a season a couple years ago and now is a is a regular on defense in a group that's uh, that's really lauded as a good young defense core Uh, and I think this year really the emergence of Will Cooley uh, Mm -hmm. who was a second round pick a few years ago had a really good year in the AHL last season 22 goals uh, playing you know maybe got a cup of coffee in the NHL but really was the the primary guy for for Knobloch as a big physical winger and he's uh, he's been a bit of a revelation this year on a team that did not have a lot of roster spots he kind of came in and, and fought for one and he's been a regular on the third line second power play unit so that's certainly a feather in Knobloch's cap to see a young guy like that who maybe wasn't projected as an NHLer right away uh, in his first couple of pro years to, to come up and not only get noticed but uh, but has been a, a very solid contributor to the Rangers good start so far this season. Arthur Staple from The Athletic is our guest on Sports 1440. Arthur, uh, Olympic gold medalist in cycling, Lorianne Munzer has one for you. Hey, good morning. Talking about confidence of the athletes, what kind of a game do you think that uh, Knobloch is going to be bringing to the Oilers now? You know, I, I don't know that uh, that you can discern really what a, what kind of a style a coach has when he's in the AHL and he's part of the system where the you know the whoever's at the top of the NHL food chain is the one that kind of dictates the style of play. But he's been through a couple of different coaches now uh in the ahl with hartford and and uh you know i think everybody from the top on down from christian on down has been very happy with his role you know developing players and and kind of keeping that seamlessness of of when the rangers need guys and this year they certainly have needed a couple of guys because uh, they're missing adam fox now they're missing philip Heedle. they missed igor shesterkin for a little while um so i think just that ability to kind of kind of adapt to whatever system the Rangers are trying to use at the NHL level uh, has been a, has been good for him. And, uh, you know, I'm interested myself to see what he'll be able to do. And, and it's, you know, it's so early in the season and the, the Oilers were trying to adapt to a little bit of, you know, some of the tweaks that Jay Woodcroft had brought in training camp. And now uh, I don't know that you, you can really just turn around and pivot and do a, you know, and go in the opposite direction of how, 
uh, Knobloch wants to play, but you know he certainly knows the most important player there very well, uh, and I think that'll go a long way to his voice being heard in that room and and listened to. And like I said, he's he's a kind of unassuming guy behind the bench and um, you know quiet. Uh, so I'm I'm interested to see how he'll be able to shape a, a group that's probably at a very low ebb confidence wise. You know I think he's been able to to kind of instill that on a personal level with some guys that have played for him at Hartford that really like his style. Don't you know mm-hmm. the the modern player? I don't think loves a, a very emotional coach, uh, which were kind of the stereotype that we're used to in hockey. Um, so he kind of fits that more modern mold of a guy who who attacks things on, a, on an individual level, player by player, and, uh, you know, whatever system he can kind of jump in on with this team, I don't know that there's going to be a ton of changes right away. I think it's more about taking the incredible talent they have there and the expectations that were built up and, and kind of block by block making them back into the team that everyone, including themselves, thought they were going to be when the season started. Arthur Staple with us on Sports 1440. So the Oilers take on the Islanders uh, tonight. And, I mean, the Islanders are in a similar position as what the Oilers are, where I guess fans aren't too happy about their GM. They're not too happy about their head coach. Can you give us an update on where things sit with the Isles? They don't sit very well, that's for sure. Um, you know, they, they were winning some games very early on in the first couple of weeks. And then, you know, they blew a couple of multi-goal leads, one to Detroit at home, one to Carolina at home, ended up giving away points in those, and now they're just straight losing, you know, three straight in regulation, um, games that were within their reach in the second or third period, and I think that's maybe the most frustrating thing for this group that's been together a long time. These, You know, the core of this of these team, this Islanders team was, uh, was together in, in Barry Trotz's years here four or five years ago where uh, when they were in a, a tight game, a tie game, or a one-goal game, they usually found a way to come out of it with two points um, because they weren't going to beat you with their skill. They were going to beat you as, you know, kind of as, as a very team game, maybe an mm-hmm. unsightly game to a lot of hockey lovers out there. But it worked for them uh, in the wake of John Tavares leaving in free agency, and they banded together and kind of had this – us against the world mentality and having a coach like Trotz and his associate coach, Lane Labert, now the head coach, mm-hmm. um, the message really got through the entire room. And I think that led to Lou Lamarillo wanting to keep this core together and, you know, giving out some, some curious contracts in terms of length, but making sure that that no one was tempted to even think about leaving when they got towards free agency. Um, but I think this is kind of the flip side of that coin where, you have some veterans, maybe who are not off to great starts. Guys like Anders Lee, one goal in 13 games. A uh, guy who's been a regular goal scorer for them. Um, so I think when the frustration sets in, it, it's tough because it's a lot of familiar faces and a lot of familiar words from the coaching staff that maybe aren't uh, aren't getting through as well as they did, you know, one or two or three or four years ago. So. Uh, they're at a they're at a tough point right now on this road trip. You could kind of look at it two ways. It, maybe it's good to get away. The fans were on them the last couple of home games, and you know Casey Zizek has kind of uh, <laughs> let his frustration show in the locker room after the last game, saying the fans that are booing and calling for Lane Lambert's head can just stay home. You never never want to see players firing back at the fans, and certainly a guy like Zizekas, who's been a, a fan favorite for such a long time. So now they're out west and and a few games out there and. If they can get well, uh, win you know two or three of these four games uh, in Western Canada and Seattle, I think all will be forgiven when they come back home. There won't be the blue birds. They won't be calling for anybody's head. But uh, but they're definitely struggling. And and to kind of see another struggling team that made a big change right in front of them tonight, 
Yeah. Uh, if the Oilers get that bounce from having a new coach in there, uh, you know, I'm sure the, the, the calls for Lane Lambert's head won't exactly go oh. quiet. Yeah. Sometimes a change is, is a really good thing, and you were just speaking there about veterans. What are you thinking or possibly seeing Paul Coffey bringing? I mean, he's from a different era of the game, but what impact will his presence have on the players? You know, I I, I know that uh, that Paul's been around the Oilers uh, for a few years now, and certainly when he was a player, um, his kind of itinerant winning style, where he just went from franchise to franchise, and they would, you know, and and he'd make good players great, and just that that ability he had as a player. Uh, I'm interested to see how much he can translate that as a coach. Um, you know, like I said with Knobloch, it, it's not going to be a, a big stylistic or system change for this team in, in mm-hmm. just a month into the season. I don't know that you can pull that off uh, and hope to really uh, alter your fortunes very much. It's maybe too much information for guys that are already struggling with what they're trying to implement before. So uh, I think that's going to be where he'll have his biggest impact is just being a guy who commands a lot of respect. You know, I think even if today's player isn't familiar with Paul Coffey's career, you know the name, you know the style, you know what he was able to bring on the ice um, he can he can bring that in the locker room if he can help a guy like Evan Bouchard become uh, a more complete player uh, then you then he's done his job you know you, you got to be able to work with the most important guys and, and the Oilers are obviously a team with uh, so much high-end talent that it needs to be uh, you know they need to be on their game every night because the depth just isn't always there for them night in and night out when their big guys aren't going so uh, I think you start with you start with a guy like Bouchard and Paul Coffey, if he can work uh, work some wonders with him and, and help him regain some confidence at both ends of the ice, then, then it was probably worth it. Arthur Staple from The Athletic is our guest on Sports 1440. Arthur, you got the article up uh, regarding Henrik Lundqvist going into the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. Can you just uh, let our listeners know about uh, the uh, what's the article, what it's about, and uh, how you came about putting it together? Uh, it was from a couple of years ago, actually, when okay. uh, when the Rangers retired Lundqvist's number. It's just nice to roll it back out. He's had so mm-hmm. many uh, achievements since he retired that uh, it's easy to recycle some of those yeah. old ones. But I had talked at the time to all seven of his backups during his 15 years with the Rangers and um, just some of the stories just about guys, you know, Alexander Georgiev, kind of later in Lundqvist's career, never even owned a suit when he came to the Rangers and seeing Lundqvist, uh, you know, in his incredible fashion sense, Georgiev was kind of like, okay, I'm in the NHL now. I need to up my game a lot to be able to hang with this guy. And that's just off the ice, on the ice. Um, a guy who was, you know, an innovator, changed uh, how a lot of goalies wear their pads with a strap underneath the skate, shaved down the, the neck of his stick so he could hold it with three fingers instead of one. <laughs> um you know, he he was uh, and he was just a fierce competitor. You know, a guy who hated to be scored on in practice. Who, you know, if he missed a couple of starts for whatever reason, would take the net back with incredible ferocity. And these were with guys that he was close friends with. Um, it's just a fun uh, compilation of of stories from from starting with Kevin Weeks and Steve Valaket, who was backups back when he first first on the scene, right after the the 0405 lockout to guys like Marty Baron and Andre Pavlik who are at the end of their careers, good mm-hmm. NHL careers, and even what they learned uh, well into their 30s from being around a guy like Lundqvist. So it's, uh, I think you see him on TV and people will see him tonight uh, in his induction speech and mm-hmm. you'll say, 
you know, he's a, he's got the hair and the suits, and he just looks too perfect. But beneath it all, he was uh, he was lethal. He was he was a one of the hardest workers out there, and carried some of those Ranger teams that didn't have a lot of other skill around it to mm-hmm. uh, to some pretty great heights. Never the ultimate height, but uh, yeah. but certainly you can see how much he accomplished by the fact that. Not even winning a Stanley Cup was no impediment to him getting in on his first try into the Hall of Fame. How big of a presence does he have in the Big Apple? It's still huge. You know, he's still he's back working with the at the Garden. He's he's on uh, Ranger telecast between periods, and you know that kind of TV work led to some more work with TNT. Um, you know, he's been incredibly prepared for his his post playing career, even though it ended kind of abruptly when he tried to make uh you know make it make a switch to signing with the capitals after the rangers bought him out his heart problems surgery mm-hmm. um you know he he doesn't he doesn't do anything by half measures and i think that's kind of uh, a testament to who he was as a player now when you see him on tv again it looks incredibly smooth and unscripted and just easy for him but but he's put in the work with you know msg network uh the local network here in new york with producers uh, mm-hmm. With his good friend Steve Valaket, who's kind of uh, his co-analyst in the studio, guys that were been friends for almost 20 years, who play off each other really well, and um, you know he he studies the game still. He's not uh, he's not one of these uh, retired players who who kind of does the back in my day. This is what we used to do. That yeah. stuff doesn't fly with with NHL fans anymore. You got to be able to bring the goods, and he certainly does that. And I think you know anytime. He's even in the garden, just walking around. It's uh, it's like seeing you know a, a royalty or something like that, or Harry Styles or whoever <laughs> you can think of walking around. The fans still react with a buzz when he's there, uh, just watching a game, even though he's there a lot of nights. Well, appreciate your time, uh, Arthur. Good insight. Uh, enjoy the contest tonight. It's going to be you know there's two teams that are really going to push each other tonight. I think between the Islanders and the Oilers. Thanks for doing this. Yep, thanks a lot. Anytime. That is Arthur Staple from The Athletic, uh, elevating his game, our game, the Oilers game, brought to you by Ram. Elevators and lifts, manufacturing the safest elevators since 1987. When we come back, we will have a comment from Paul Coffey yesterday at the Oilers media availability. Plus, we will check in with Jason Greger at about 9.50, at about 9.50, just uh, as the Oilers take to the ice here, they're probably just rolling on right now. So uh, Greg's will join us to kind of chat about who the lines are and things like that as the Oilers get ready for tonight against the Islanders. It's the Kevin Carey Show with Laurie Ann Munzer on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Uh, all right, welcome back to the big program. Oilers have taken to the ice about two, three, four, five minutes ago as they get set for their morning skate and tonight's game against the New York Islanders. Laurie Ann Munzer, Kevin Carey. Laurie Ann, you have a connection with Paul Coffey. I do. I do. I've never actually met him, but in 2015, we were both inducted into Canada's Sports Hall of Fame. So was down in Toronto for the Mm -hmm. celebration ceremony and uh, Coffey closed us out. So... Did, did was your the reason why you really didn't kind of talk to him is because you had the massive entourage around you you couldn't you couldn't break through into into coffee's little inner, inner circle he had the entourage going there was just everybody wanted to talk with coffee though, oh, for boy. sure uh, we'll check in with uh, Jason Greger in about eight minutes as the Oilers are just taking to the ice at Rogers place but Paul Coffey announced yesterday as assistant coach taking over for Dave Manson. Raised a lot of eyebrows. Here's what Paul Coffey had to say yesterday at the Oilers' media availability. 
I will say out of the gate that I wasn't lobbying for this job. I know that Ken and, uh, and Jeff had talked quite a bit, and Jeff kind of said something to me the other day, would you ever think of coaching? And I said, uh, I said no, I'm very uh, happy with my position. I'm happy with the strategy and the conversations I have with Daryl and, and Kenny, et cetera, in the organization. And uh, stuff happens. And, and as most of you know in this room, that I'm very tied with the Oilers. I love the Oilers. Uh, all of us do. All of us that won the Cups in this organization. It was, uh, it was still to Jeff, no, but I'll do anything to help. And then uh, having a quick conversation with Chris prior to his game last night and uh, getting a feel for him, getting a feel for his strategies. And uh, I thought, I just said, hey, any way I can help, um, I will. And that puts me here today. Um, I'm an assistant coach. I work for I work for Chris. I work for Ken. Uh, Jeff's higher up. Daryl's the owner of the team. But my focus will be on the players. Have I ever coached in the NHL? No. Do I understand the game? Yes. Do I understand players? Yes. Do I how to make them better? Yes. Can I communicate with them? Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Well, A, I've liked, I've liked everything about our blue line. Unfortunately, sometimes we've been a little bit inconsistent. Uh, why I say that is because there's guys that have really good games. I think the simplest thing for me with Chris and, and Stewie and, and Gully, our approach, my approach is going to be anyway, just trying to get them as consistent as possible, not trying to play outside themselves, play their game, and, uh, and, and play the odds. Know where you are in the ice at all times, stay off your backhand, but I, I like our defense. I think we're, we've got a really good defense, but defense isn't one or two players. It's a group, and I think if we play as a tan, I mean, I always said as a defenseman, you need to know what your partner's doing before he does. I'd like us to communicate a little more, but uh, I like our defense, and, and we're only going to get better. That's new Oilers assistant coach Paul Coffey. Kind of feels weird to say that. Uh, lines being uh, released on social media might raise a few eyebrows right off the hop if they were to continue like this. Ryan Nugent Hopkins with Connor McDavid and Sam Gagne. Evander Kane, Leon Dreisaitl, Zach Hyman. Holloway, McLeod, Fogel, then Lavoie, Hamlin, Ryan. Fourth line stays the same. Defense pairings stay the same. The difference that you would see probably the biggest note is that Fogel drops down. Even though Fogel, McLeod, and Holloway were a really good line when put together, maybe a little more balanced right now. Gagne moving up to line number one. Laurie Munzer, you listened to Paul Coffey. Uh, you heard his take on kind of, you know, he didn't lobby for this. This is, I mean, he was happy, as he said. What I took from that yesterday is that a player that has orange and blue bleeding through his veins from all these years, even though he left and he went to other teams and played for other teams, other cities, the Oilers are still in his heart and he wants to do anything he can to help the team. Absolutely. So when you heard him say things yesterday and you just heard him now, I guess what's your reaction with what he can do moving forward? I really liked how you talked about he's willing to do anything to help. So I think that first is setting the stage. So that leadership is going to really shine through. Um, bringing the consistency, he knows the players, his focus is the players. And I think he really wants to help the game. So what can he do to bring the game to another level? I think we're going to find out what he's got and bring it out, but bring it out through the players. You know, and these players, again, we're going to hear from them after the morning skate. But 
And we touched on it off the top when you came on. Like, is, is there a, you know, you, you, the guilty thing? Do you feel guilty? Do you have that sense of, uh, I don't know, is it remorse that you let someone down? What, what are the feelings yesterday and today again from these players? I think you got to move past where we've been. And that's really hard to do because you really got to focus on, okay, what's our job? What do we've got to do tonight? And you got to reset. Mm-hmm. It's it's a total reset. And everybody's got to do that straight across the board and just come all out, all out. Easier said than done, than done especially Always. when your mind is maybe spinning. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we, you know, the players' heads have to be spinning after what's happened this last week. Absolutely. So let me throw this one at you. A by all accounts, they're one of their favorite teammates. They're, they're one of their best friends. Jack Campbell gets sent down, but there wasn't a response in San Jose. Why? Because you didn't see it. You didn't see that, oh, my goodness, we just let one of our guys down. Why are we not responding? Hence the coaching change, I assume. You can't, you can't keep going to the well here, keep going to the well. So why, why do you think after one of their best friends gets sent down, well, cleared waivers, et cetera, put on waivers, why don't you think there was a response like gangbusters in the first period against San Jose? Well, they should have lit it up, but that wasn't the case. So the question is, you know, um, is there another reason? And what is it? But it's, I don't think the message is straight across the board. I don't think it's enough. Dirk texts in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Good morning, guys. This organization is a joke. Coffee was an incredible player and Hall of Famer, but come on, Oilers. New old boys club. Throw in an executive on the bench. What a nightmare. Thanks, Dirk. Hmm. <laughs> There's lots of things going on. People just... Thanks for all the texts. Appreciate it. We haven't got to a lot of them just because we've had some great guests on uh, this morning. But uh, I think we're going to check in with Jason Greger here. Duke, do you want to get him on the horn? Jason Greger down at Oilers practice, morning skate right now. West End Juan says, do you think coffee is a set of eyes to be in the dressing room, especially with contracts coming up? West End Juan. Juan. Again, I think that that direct line to the owner, that is a game. If you play that game, that is just, that's team suicide. That you are asking for so much trouble. If you're a player and you're in the dressing room and you think that whatever you say or do or whatever happens and it gets directly to the owner, guys don't want to play here. You're not going to have that that sense of, well, everything I say or do is going to be known to the owner. That 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 line, that line, that's that bad. that hotline yeah. to the owner, that's gone, I believe. All right, uh, let's welcome the host of uh, the Afternoon Drive, Sports 1440, Jason Greger, to the show. Greg's down at Oilers Morning Skate. What's the mood down there? Well, I think the mood's probably fine. Um, I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I see massive more jump or pep in the step of the players, but, uh, you know, it's a morning skate, so it's not like they're going to be uh, going through massive uh, rolls, but it's a morning skate. It's 100% everybody on here, and they didn't skate yesterday. And uh, Chris Knobloch, first uh, first thing I noticed that he's done is he split up McDavid and Drysaddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, they're the two centers. Uh, McDavid is with 
uh, Hyman and Gagne today, and uh, you have uh, Nugent Hopkins and Kane with Drysaddle, Fogel, uh, McLeod are, are together on the third line with Holloway, and then you have uh, Hamlin, uh, Ryan, and Lavoie. Uh, Curtis uh, Connor Brown is on the ice, mm-hmm. uh, first time with the main group in a bit, so uh, he's getting closer. And you know, I would think when he returns, he's probably you know going to be jumping up in Gagne's spot potentially on the top line. So uh, that's kind of what we see here from uh, Knobloch, and uh, you know, not a surprise, mm-hmm. Kev. I think uh, you know McDavid and Drysdale have been you know separate centers for a long time, and I think it's uh, uh, I think they're a better team when they play apart. Are you surprised, Greg's at all that even like? Fogel, who you would probably agree is the most, has been the most consistent player, drops down to the third line, or does that give the team more balance? Um, it's fair, but I, I think you know when you put McDavid and, and Drysaddle as the centers, then you, now you could put Fogel on the right side and have mm-hmm. Gagne down there. Yeah. I, but I think honestly, I, I think this is to me. I'm looking kind of more long term. I think Knobloch, he talked yesterday in his press conference to players like consistency. If Connor Brown is going to play on Wednesday. And you're going to play him on the top line, and then Fogel's going to be in, in your on your third line, which is probably where he, you know, mm-hmm. if everybody's playing up to their potential, that's probably where he fits, right? And I think that third line should be able to to outwork and, and outproduce other teams' third lines. So, you know, I think kind of go with that. I, I think it makes sense because that's the one thing. You know, Knobloch said a few things that I really liked in his press conference mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I thought it wasn't in a position for him to to really showcase. I didn't love the strategy of having the coach, like the GM, and and, uh, and yeah. CEO there to talk about a firing as well as introduce your head coach at the same time. I would have done the firing first and then mm-hmm. introduce the head coach. But um, he said a few things I really liked in his press conference. He outlined exactly kind of what his plan is going to be. He likes prefers zone defense, right? So we'll watch that. And, the, you know, there's the excuse that the players, oh, they can't play zone. Give me a break. You can play zone defense. You just got to execute it. And, you know, that's what we're going to see from them. And he talked about consistency. I think you will see, you know, the orders run the same lines here. For yeah. quite a while, barring injury. Greg, thanks for this. I know you got to get back to the practice and then uh, doing some uh, interviews for your show. We'll look forward to that at two o'clock. Thanks, big guy. All right, buddy. Jason Greger, host of the Jason Greger Show, two to six, Sports fourteen forty. So again, not a you know, not a ton of extra pep or whatever you want to call it. He said not a pep in the step. This is just what happens. I mean, man, this is a whirlwind. 24 hours, 48 hours. It is, but it isn't. Okay, expand. You're going to get some changes. Okay, so we've got the coaching direction changed. The players are still the same. And it's just, what are we going to be focusing on? We've got to focus on the game tonight. So mm-hmm. I, all eyes are on deck. And it's just, so let's break it down. Let's bring back the basics instead of getting complicated and trying to overthink and overdo things, just mm-hmm. bring it back to the basics. Text coming in, one 401 Hey, Kevin, so Paul Coffey says he's willing to do whatever it takes to help out the Oilers. As you said, assistant coaches put in years of 12, 14-hour days. Do you think he can just walk in, flip a switch, and put in the hours required? I have my doubts just because you were a great player doesn't qualify you as a good coach. Good points there about that being... A good player, great players don't necessarily make the best coaches. Uh, you know, it's just like the same thing. The best uh, broadcasters or analysts or color guys, a lot of them are old goalies because they sat on the bench or a backup goalie because they saw the game a lot differently. The hours is not going to be easy. I mean, he this is a, going to be a grind for Paul Coffey. And 
let's let's be honest here. This is a one year thing. This is a, this is 65, 70 games here. If Paul Coffey were to return as an assistant coach next year, I would be totally stunned. Totally stunned at this stage of his life, his career. I mean, it's not easy. It's going to be tough. Just the grind, the grind, the travel, the hours. It's not going to be easy. But that's why you have to respect a guy who says, I'll do whatever it takes to help this team. You have to, you have to give him that. Laurie Ann Munzer, thanks so much for coming in today. Thanks, Kevin. How are, uh, everything else good? We didn't, we, I never got to your well-being. We, we never got to talk about how things are with you. Things are really good. <laughs> really good. Thank you. That's it? There's got to be better. I mean, are they... Are they Life is good. Um, I don't know. I just think that you can spend so much time talking about what's not working. It's like, okay, let's flip the switch mm-hmm. and let's look towards what is good. Let's look towards what is the one thing each player has? What's the one quality that they can bring to the game that is their A game? Uh-huh. I don't know. You know what I is good? What is good is tonight is good. Ken Hitchcock, local product going into the Hockey Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. started his, I don't know, I don't. it's not even his career, but he used to work at United Sport and Cycle. Yes. Selling equipment, sharpening skates, although not as many skates as you're led to believe. We're going to find that out from Wilf Brooks when we check in with Wilf at the top of the hour. Lorianne, thank you so much for coming in. We'll see you back here next Monday. You betcha. That's Lorianne Munzer, our co-host from 8 to 10 o'clock, the former Olympic gold medalist in cycling. Almost 20 years ago, but it feels like yesterday. Top of the hour, Wilf Brooks. Before that, here's a sports 1440 update with the Duke.